Welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and today we are going to talk about surrendering to the unfolding of life. And this is a little bit more esoteric than maybe usual, but I'm, I'm going to read a poem by Charles Bukowski. I got a lot of uh, feedback from, from you, the listeners. Thank you so much for reaching out to me on Instagram uh, and through Facebook and letting me know how much you really loved uh, the reading of some of the past poems and pieces that I have brought into the mini episodes. So I'm going to read another poem by Charles Bukowski today called Let It Unfold You. Uh, just before I do, just before I dive in, I just wanted to let everyone know that we have released the first men's weekend of 2020. It's live. Um, it is almost half sold. So please head on over. Uh, if you have been thinking about joining us at one of the men's weekends and diving in, we do a lot of shadow work. One of the specialties that uh, I really bring to the table is working with men on what's sabotaging them. So we work on sex and intimacy. We work on mindset. We dive into finding a deeper sense of purpose. Uh, it is always a phenomenal, phenomenal group of men. Uh, if you have been to the men's weekend, don't forget to man it forward and share it with the guy. Uh, it goes a long way to, to you know, helping to change the lives of the men that are around you. Uh, it also makes a great Christmas present. I've had a lot of uh, women reach out and, and wanting to get it for their for their husband or for their partner or for their brother. Uh, by all means, um, the guys really love it. And I've had a lot of guys that have come out to the weekends that really, um, you know, get it as a present and then are hesitant, but then show up and have the absolute time of their life. So um, if you have any questions, go to mantalks.com, check out the men's weekends, or you can go to connorbeaton.com and check out the men's weekends. Uh, so we are going to sell out quickly. Uh, so I hope that you join us uh, in Vancouver, and it'll be in March of 2020. So with that uh, housekeeping out of the way, let's dive in. And I chose this poem because it is a, a very interesting reminder of how in life we are resistant to change. We are actually, I did an episode with a guy uh, named Bo Lotto probably about two years ago. And it was all about the neuroscience of change. And he's, a, he's one of the leading researchers uh, in the neuroscience of change. And what he basically said to, to sort of summarize it was that our brains are wired to resist change and that we struggle when we get into these darker places. We are challenged when we are you know, sort of down or feeling a lack of motivation or we are missing clarity and direction in our life. We struggle to allow peace, happiness, joy, direction, clarity to enter back into our life and into our mind. And we stop doing the things that we really know that we need to do that would produce that clarity and that joy and that direction and that camaraderie and community. So this poem I felt was a really strong reminder, and I'm going to make a few comments after I read it, but let's dive in. So let it enfold you, poem by Charles Bukowski. Either peace or happiness, let it enfold you. When I was a young man, I felt these things were dumb, unsophisticated. I had bad blood, a twisted mind, a precarious upbringing. I was hard as granite. I leered at the sun. I trusted no man and especially no woman. 
I was living a hell. In small rooms, I broke things, smashed things, walked through glass, cursed. I challenged everything, was continually being evicted, jailed, in and out of fights, in and out of my mind. Women were something to screw and rail at. I had no male friends. I changed jobs and cities. I hated holidays, babies, history, newspapers, museums, grandmothers, marriages, movies, spiders, garbage men, English accents, Spain, France, Italy, walnuts, and the color orange. Algebra angered me. Opera sickened me. Charlie Chaplin was a fake, and flowers were for pansies. Peace and happiness to me were signs of inferiority, tenants of the weak and idled mind. But as I went on with my alley fights, my suicidal years, my passage through any number of women, it gradually became to occur to me that I wasn't different from the others. I was the same. They were all fulsome with hatred, glossed over with petty grievances. The men I fought in alleys had hearts of stone. Everybody was nudging, inching, cheating for some insignificant advantage. The lie was the weapon, and the plot was empty. Darkness was the dictator. Cautiously, I allowed myself to feel good at times. I found moments of peace in cheap rooms, staring at the knobs of some dresser or listening to the rain in the dark. I found less I needed, the better I felt. Maybe the other life had worn me down. I no longer found glamour in topping somebody in conversation or in mounting the body of some poor drunken female whose life had slipped away into sorrow. I could never accept life as it was. I could never gobble down all its poisons, but there were parts, tenuous magic parts, open for the asking. I reformulated. I don't know when, date, time, all that, but the change occurred. Something in me relaxed, soothed out. I no longer had to prove that I was a man. I didn't have to prove anything. I began to see things, coffee cups lined up behind a counter in a cafe, or a dog walking along the sidewalk, or the way the mouse on my dresser top stopped there with its body, its ears, its nose. It was fixed a bite of life caught within itself, and its eyes looked at me, and they were beautiful. Then it was gone. I began to feel good. I began to feel good. In the worst situations, and there were plenty of those. Like, say, the boss behind his desk, he's going to have to fire me. I've missed too many days. He is dressed in a suit, necktie, glasses. He says, I'm going to have to let you go. It's all right, I tell him. He must do what he must do. He has a wife, a house, children, expenses, most probably a girlfriend. I am sorry for him. He is caught. I walk into the blazing sunshine. The whole day is mine, temporarily, anyhow. The whole world is at the throat of the world. 
Everybody feels angry, shortchanged, cheated. Everybody is disappointed, despondent, disillusioned. I welcome shots of peace, tattered shards of happiness. I embrace that stuff like the hottest number, like high heels, breasts, singing, the works. Don't get me wrong. There is such a thing as cockeyed optimism that overlooks all basic problems just for the sake of itself. This is a shield and a sickness. The knife got near my throat again. I almost turned on the gas again. But when the good moments arrived again, I didn't fight them off like an alley adversary. I let them take me. I luxuriated in them. I made them welcome home. I even looked into the mirror. Once having thought myself to be ugly, now liked what I saw. Almost handsome. Yeah. A bit riped and rugged, scars, lumps, odd turns, but all in all, not too bad. Almost handsome. Better, at least, than some of those movie star faces, like the cheeks of a baby's butt. And finally, I discovered real feelings of others. Unheralded, like lately, like this morning, as I was leaving for the track, I saw my wife in bed, just the shape of her head, there. Not forgetting centuries of the living and the dead, and the dying, and the, the pyramids. Mozart dead, Mozart dead, but... His music still there in the room, weeds growing, the earth turning, the tote board waiting for me. I saw the shape of my wife's head. She's so still. I ached for her life, just being there under the covers. I, I kissed her on the forehead, got down the stairway, got outside, got into my marvelous car, fixed the seatbelt, backed out the drive. Feeling warm to the fingertips, down to the foot on the gas pedal, I entered the world once more, drove down the hill, past the empty houses, full and empty of people. I saw the mailman honked. He waved back at me. So this is a the, the poem, Let It Unfold You, by Charles Bukowski. And I love this poem. In, for many, many reasons, I love this poem, partly because it is the, the sort of uh, quintessential unfolding of someone's life in a way where you, you get a sense of just the darkest moments in, in his life. And th this is sort of a, a, almost like an autobiographical look at, at Charles Bukowski's life. But you, you get a sense of the real tangible hatred that human beings can can find in their life and the misery that we can all experience at some point in our life. And it's a reminder that when we allow things like peace and happiness to unfold us, to, unf to unfold within us, that when we aren't so resistant to them, when we don't villainize these things within our life, and, and we don't allow ourselves to have a mind that has become the victim and the villain and has forgotten about the hero and the sage and the warrior, that we, we can allow these things to enter back into ourselves. We can allow ourselves to 
uh, find a form of peace that maybe isn't the type of peace that we have pedestaled. I think a lot of people have a, a pedestaled form of peace, the, this sort of idea or ideology that you'll reach a place where perfection has been achieved, this sort of peaceful perfection, right? And in the, in the words of, uh, of Ramdas, he says, your mind is your karma. Your mind is your karma. And I think that's why I love this piece so much by Charles Bukowski, because in many ways, I get the sense that as this poem unfolds, you can see the working through of the karma within his mind, that his life wasn't so wretched and horrible for years because his external circumstances were wretched and horrible, although for a time, a period of time, I'm sure that some of it wasn't great, but more so because his internal world seemed wretched and horrible. And as he said, he was hard as granite. He trusted no man and especially no woman. And it's a reminder that we can cling to those states of being. We can cling to suffering. We can cling to self-deprecation. We can cling to the mechanism of self-loathing and self-harm and self-abuse emotionally, mentally, physically. I mean, we, we can be the greatest perpetrators of abuse in our own life. And so our aim and our goal should always be to move back into a place of allowing it, allowing love, allowing happiness or peace or joy or whatever to unfold within our life and, and to be the awareness that starts to become more aware of the parts of ourselves that are blocking that peace, that happiness, and that joy. So I hope that you enjoyed this. Please don't forget to share it with one or two people if you enjoyed this episode. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.